Thanks for tuning in to the Medevac podcast powered by the Robert Irvine Foundation, whose mission is to support and strengthen the physical and mental well-being of our nation's heroes and their families. I'm one of your hosts, David Reed. And I'm your other host, Christian Myers. Thank you very much for joining us today on the Medevac podcast. If you're new here or if you're old here, you know what I'm going to say. There's a price for the show. You have to share it with a friend or family member if you get something out of today's episode. Our guest today is Chris Lewis. He is both a Marine and an Army veteran. He spent uh, about seven years in the Marine Corps from 09 to 16 as a logistics. Uh, we're going to dive into that a little bit. And then he was Army Infantry from 16 to 20. Got out, and now he started a, a, a service called Vets to Drones, where they teach veterans how to become drone operators in the commercial and uh, beyond, you know, various markets. So welcome, Chris. Thanks welcome for joining us. Welcome to the show, Chris. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks yeah. for joining. And you flew in from... North Carolina. North Carolina. Jeez. Just to be on the show with us today. Hang we'll out with you guys and see my good buddy uh, Andrew here in San Antonio. That's right. Sorry. That's right. And and we'll dive into Andrew, who, who's who's joining us uh, in a little bit uh, about going through your program, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty incredible. So let's rewind it back a little bit and talk about, like, first of all, you did two branches, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> um, usually it's the other way around. People get sick of the Army and then they go in the Marines because <laughs> they are like, yeah, you know, come on. Or the Air Army Force. infantry <laughs> compared to Marine infantry, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, animosity between the two, but... Um, I know. Yeah. I know. I, I can't even tell people that I'm a Ranger without them just attacking me if they're a Marine. <laughs> I once, I was once sitting, uh, like, transitioning out of the military in my fatigues uh, at the, the, uh, the like, um, uh, the whole base's... Um, S5 shop, I guess. It's like finance right before you get out. And I'm sitting there just minding my own business. And this Marine lady is just staring at me. And, you know, she's like, you know, all Marines are better shooters than anyone in the army. And I was like, put the knife down, lady. I'm just trying to get my finances in order. Shots fired. Yeah, it was. Just bring it to the range, man. Got to prove that was it. Yeah, that was it. Everyone's a marine, a rifleman. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. It's. I mean, the the shooting training we get over there is definitely definitely great. Mm. You know, shooting at five hundred yards with iron sights. It's awesome. Well, depends on what year you got in, I guess. Because you switched to ACOGs, but. Yeah. I know you tough to do with shoot. an M16. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> full A4, man. You got to have a full body for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, I know how you Rangers shoot, man. You guys are uh, monsters out there. I got a bunch of buddies with long tabs. So, mm. yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff, man. So, let's uh let's start it off with how were you inspired to join the military? Did you have family that was there? Yep. Um, yeah, what what motivated you for that? So, both of my parents were in the army. Um mm. Mostly on the uh, logistics side, uh, they actually met in the Army Band. Mm-hmm. Both my parents are musicians. My father's uh, born and raised from New Orleans, jazz musician. My mother's uh, North Carolina, pretty formal core, formal core style musician. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how they met out in Fort Polk. Okay. Which, if you've been there, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where I was born. So born in Fort Polk, uh, up to Fort Sill. My mom retired and then moved back to Louisiana and mm-hmm. was raised down there. Awesome. But, uh, my grandfather was actually the only other Marine in the family. Uh, he was a wild hare. He, uh, I think, deployed to Panama way back in the day and uh, mm-hmm. jumped out of airplanes for you know, high school football games and stuff like oh, that nice. in North Carolina. Taught carpentry and photography around the, the Raleigh area. Just kind of a jack of all trades. Yeah, just, yeah. Uh, just a monster. I mean, like little guy, little tiny guy. I've seen his dress blues. They're like... Look like toddler size, but uh, <laughs> it's crazy how small they are. But um, uh, 
Great guy. Yeah. That's so that kind of inspired you to join the Marines was your grandpa. Absolutely. Yeah. And then your parents got mad at you. So you decided to leave the Marines and then join the (laughs) army. Uh, so yeah, definitely my grandfather inspired me to do the, the Marine Corps, Mm. uh, because he's just an amazing man. And I was like, all right, well, it's good to follow in his footsteps. Uh, plus, I, I asked my mom, I was like, which branch? You know, you've, you were in 23 years. You retired. You have a lot of experience. Yeah. Which branch makes sense? And she was like, well, you don't want to be in the Marines. They're just different. And that sold me. <laughs> yeah. Right? I was like, I yeah. definitely join the Mom, don't. Uh, yeah, mom should never say, yeah, you're always going to do the opposite, right? That's it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it right She's there. not wrong, though. The Marines are very different. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little it's couple a of ticks here and there. It's yeah. just, they're very good at just instilling a certain mentality yeah. into you. You know, uh, th- that's the thing is Marines are crazy in that you're like, attack that hill. And they'll go full bore to the front mm-hmm. and take that hill no matter what. That's it. Yeah. The invincibility that is instilled into the average Marine's mindset is incredible. And the pride that they take in their jobs, too. I've never Uniform, had, professionalism. Yeah, whatever it is, any Marine I've ever worked with in the past when I was, I was in the Air Force, if it, if it was a calm guy, he took that so seriously and had so much pride. He knew his job inside and out. And I always compared it to the Air Force where you have to like incentivize people to do their jobs. You ask a Marine to do his job, he's like, absolutely how can I help? Like, yes, it's I also, love this. It's also like making it work, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the Air Force's budget compared to the Marine Corps' budget, oh, yeah. Yeah. completely different. So yeah. you learn Hundreds to respect, yes. you learn to respect, and you were in logistics as well, your equipment and yeah. a, a little bit more. And you take pride in it, right? And that's why that sense of professionalism mm-hmm. uh, in a Marine is so paramount, Yeah. right? Yeah. So, so this is a great kind of segue into, so we obviously, there's not a lot of people out there who've been in multiple branches. We've heard of, we actually just the other day heard of uh, a individual who was a ranger. Yeah. He was a Navy SEAL. Yes. And he was a pararescue jumper. Yeah. Then became a PJ. Wow. <laughs> and he, he was just like, I'm going to do all three. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to do all of them. Yeah. So, so with that, I think. We'd love to hear some of the biggest differences that you saw in the military mm. being in the Army versus being in the Marines. Absolutely. I mean, day one uh, in the Army, you know, uh, I had my Marine Corps assault pack with me with the, the MARPAT on there. Mm-hmm. So uh, First Sergeant walks walks by and is like, you're a Marine? I was like, yes, sir. yes, First Sergeant. What's going on? He's like, well, welcome to the corporation. Um, that <laughs> was the biggest, like, hint yeah. to what I was getting myself into. Uh, Army's definitely run like a gigantic business. Mm. And, you know, mm. it really brought that, uh, that realism to calling each unit a company. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, this whole thing's run like a, a huge business, a yeah. giant corporation. Money's flowing here and there. And uh, that's why there's contracting officers in each different uh, location and stuff like that. So it's, it was just very interesting to, mm. uh, to see how big, too, the Army really is compared to the Marine Corps. You, know, you yeah. have your unit size, uh, like a battalion's, what, like 1,400 people in the Marine Corps. In the Army, you'll see a battalion march just all the way down our dens, and you're like, does it end? Yeah. Just nothing but red, red berets as far, or Marine, uh, burgundy berets as far as you can see. And it's just like, what in the world? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Massive. It's- it's interesting that you say that it's, it's ran like a company uh, because it is. And the bureaucratic nightmare of getting <laughs> anything done in the army is just that you're in logistics. You tell me, I mean, it's nearly impossible. Right. And with the change of command that we constantly and consistently see, it makes it even more difficult because mm-hmm. now you have leaders that come in and they don't want to stir things up because they're leaving in two years. Yeah. 
or they want to change everything yes. because the last guy that was there for two years had his own system. They're like, this is all garbage. Yeah. Wipe it clean. Yeah. It again. So I feel like you, by the time you catch up, you're on the way out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big issue. Um, that I hear horror stories about from even my parents from the, when they were serving back in the 80s. It's the same story, 80s and 90s, same story over and over again of hmm. uh, like this giant bureaucratic system, uh, the consistent waste with uh, the budgetary uh, kind yeah. of concerns where instead of optimizing your budget to make sure you have some left over, it's all like, hey, spend everything. Yeah. Make so sure we can get more. So we can get more next yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, that's why they have those field days where artillery will go and blow up everything or you go to the range and you'll light every single yeah. round. And it yeah. is. I remember those. Days. Expend. Yep. Expenditure. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, and you're just like, okay, we have three pallets of Gustav rounds. You're only authorized to shoot six a day, but, you know, we're going to do 23 each. <laughs> <laughs> Well, My ears just, are bleeding at the end of it. You know, we've just wasted about half a million dollars worth of gear. <laughs> you you got to take one of the pallets and just put it out at the end, the other end of the target. Uh, <laughs> even better way to be wasteful. You're right. Yeah. I'm talking. This is an efficient way. To I be wasn't wasteful. in the Air Force. Okay. <laughs> this is an efficient way to be wasteful. Yeah, the over there. Hey, park that C-130 out there. It's uh, been used a couple times. Yeah. Let's go ahead and blow it up. Let's waste it. Yeah. <laughs> need to buy two more next year. I can't tell you how many, how many times, how many rounds I've shot out of a minigun just like not not even aiming just and putting the minigun out the window it's too cold like I don't want to deal with this I'm just hitting the button like, like and, and, 66 and, and each round <laughs> each round for a 50 cost about a dollar yeah well yeah, the, the, the armor well, piercing incendiary tracer ones that we would use oh they're like seven bucks oh yeah those, those, I can't even imagine probably Slap 15, but, 15, yeah, 20, but a, ba- 15, a basic bucks. standard 50 cal rounds about a dollar right dollar thirty I think I think ten years ago. I think and these days it's five six bucks a round. <laughs> yeah, you're, right, you're right, probably yeah. right. Yeah, inflation. <laughs> yeah, inflation. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to me about hey, like how many rounds you're going through, right? You're going yeah. through uh, for for one fold. Well, in the minigun, we would we'd have a magazine of twenty seven hundred rounds on either side of the helicopter. Yeah. So it's seven six two with fifty cal. You'd hold six hundred rounds either. And side. how many seconds does that go through? In about uh, I mean ten seconds. You yeah, no. You I, get through half of that. You're supposed to do bursts of three to five seconds, which yeah. I mean, <laughs> my, more, my point is, is you're, you know, yeah. you know, in, in a couple, couple minutes, you're, you're burning yeah. through it's 33 thousands of dollars. <laughs> it's 33 or 66 rounds a second on the mini. So <laughs> do that, do that math as yeah. 3,000 rounds a minute. Jesus. Plus, yeah. Anyway, wasteful. But, very wasteful, but also that's fun. the point. Also fun. That's the most <laughs> it fun. is. You're never going to have more fun than shooting a minigun out of a helicopter. Like, <laughs> I don't think you're going to have any more fun than just being in the military in general. Like, also I, I, was, I, I think about this all the time. I'm sure you do as well. It's just like, that's when you're the most alive. But mm. God damn it, did it suck while you're going through. Yeah. <laughs> so you embrace the suck, right? That's what we say. Embrace exactly. the suck. Get yeah. comfortable being uncomfortable, right? We've heard them all. But at the end of the day, that. that's how you know who you are, right? So you've done both. You've, uh, you did the logistics. How did you kind of get into that route? Um, In the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's kind of how I fell into place. I'd planned to become an officer and all this other stuff. Uh, Hmm. Started, you know, popping out kids pretty early and uh, was like, all right, I need some active duty time. I was actually in the reserve at the time. And uh, I was like, hey, Marine Corps, you have any active duty slots? They were like, you want to be a recruiter? I was like, Absolutely not. No. <laughs> I'm good on that one. Uh, would have been excellent at it, but no, not doing it. So when it went to the other branches, so I was like, hey, Navy, you have any SEAL slots? What do you have going on? They're mm-hmm. like, no, you're E5. Get out of here. I'm like, all right. Went to the Air Force. We talked a little yeah, bit about that. Yeah, they hate that. The cross. Yeah. I, I don't understand that to me. Yeah. Doesn't do make sense. No, not at all. Now, yeah, it was a 
strange. Uh, what year was that? Like 2016 too. So I think it was kind of drawing down and all yeah. that too. So it's just, I, I think it really has to do with the fact of they integrate you so well to each siloed branch. Mm-hmm. They don't want you diluting them. You know, <laughs> you go yeah. in. I think it's counterintuitive though, because it is. every Marine or former army guy that we had at, at my air force unit, very effective. And they brought a whole different approach. They brought a whole different mindset because you have a, a captain showing up in the air force. You're not in charge of shit. You're in charge of maybe like two or three people at most. Like you're not in charge of anyone in the army. You're a captain. You're in charge of 5,000 people. Mm. So you come from that approach. He's like, well, I've been in charge of a lot of people. Now I have all this experience that I can just hammer into one person or two people that I'm overseeing. It makes it, I think it's very effective and very efficient and bringing a Marine over to the air force. Like you want to talk about getting shit done. Like who who are you going to ask? That guy, yeah. <laughs> he's going to get it done. Yeah, you know, and yeah. but we had a buddy who was in Rangers mm. and he goes to the PJ Pipeline and they pick on him. Yeah. You know, they, really? pick, they pick on these guys and it's almost unfair. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. It's almost I think it's unfair. counterintuitive. I think yeah. that brotherly love is uh, is needed, you know? It's like, yeah. hey, what branch? Yeah, get out of here. It's <laughs> a friendly competition. It definitely. is friendly, but when it starts to impede on the like, ability to bring in that experience. Yeah, like you said with the Navy, saying, you're an E5, go away. Like, no way. Like, why would you say yeah. that? Well, bring him in. Yeah, yeah. Especially just, in Navy SEALs, like, you want that Yeah, you want experience. a Marine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they wanted E3 and below at the time for anybody yeah. transferring over. So I was like, all right, whatever Silly. works. Silly to me. Yeah. But, uh, E3s are useless. Yeah. <laughs> 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 then uh, the Army um, had the, the 18 X-ray route, and I was like, mm. They were like, you want to go drink frog soup on the side of a river in Cambodia? I was like, yep. Yeah, sure. Sounds Louisiana. about right. That sounds perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, most people are like, you're insane, but I was like, yep, let's do it. Jump no, out of airplanes, all that stuff. So went went that route. Definitely ha- had a lot of hate from uh, uh, the, the infantry guys over in the Army saying, you're not infantry. You got to come here and prove it here to get your, you know, your... Um, EIB or CIB the blue blue cord cord. yeah yeah, way back man yeah Mm. you gotta think back to when you you first joined for all that stuff so uh oh yeah the blue cord yeah yeah, oh yeah that whole deal yeah (laughs) all that drink the Kool-Aid and jump out of airplanes so there was a little Uh. bit of hatred here and there from that but um you know proved myself did my thing it worked out and uh yeah went Mm. on from there so yeah. you came from logistics side in the Marines, and then you went over to Army Infantry, obviously. Mm-hmm. How has that changed? Because you've been in for seven plus years at this point. Like you've got, you've got a lot of experience in a non-combatant role heading into a combatant role. It's, it's not what you would normally see. Most people enter in a combatant role. They get tired of, of doing the hard work, and they're like, all right, I want my retirement gig now and move over to logistics. So yeah. you were looking for more out of that or, or what? Yeah, I mean... Um probably joined the Marine Corps without the right kind of uh, direction. You know, I mm. was kind of a born fighter coming from Louisiana and just being kind of rough in, in my youth. Yeah. Uh, should have probably joined infantry right out the gate. And I do say Ranger Bat would have been my decision at 18 mm. nowadays. But yeah. Didn't know at the time. Had no idea that, like, I would thrive in that kind of environment or yeah. be, it fit like a glove, really. So when I went to the Army, like, it fit like a glove. So, okay. Oh, Carry heavy stuff, shoot a lot. So you felt more at home. Yell at people and tell them which which way to go really fast. Yeah, I was like, this is perfect. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like you were looking to fulfill something within yourself. Like you had that longing and you went after it. And there's a lot of people who who have that and they never get the opportunity or never take the chance to go after it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then yeah. when I was deployed in the Marine Corps doing logistics, doing convoy security, mm-hmm. more of a bullet sponge than a, you know, you're going out and creaking down doors yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. It's just long logistics convoys with IED fields and SAF. Um, mm. returning fire and calling in airstrikes and just make sure you get the logistics train wherever it's going. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that's when we see people get hit, man, yeah. like quite a bit is in those convoys, uh, a lot of non-combatant roles, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, being engaged, I would rather, much rather be on an infantry side of things yeah. than, you know, with a bunch of, you know, people that are that are running numbers, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, ex- exactly. I mean, it's it was just... Uh, yeah, it was getting shot at all the time instead of actually being able to shoot back or yeah. return. You know, that kind of sucked. So, and we were in armored vehicles, so everything worked out pretty well, but it was still just not not as comfortable. Mm. And then, you know, that's what I was looking for afterwards. It's like I went over there and just got shot at the whole time instead <laughs> of being able to like actually do anything. It felt horrible. You but lean back into it. Yeah. We can bring it back to drones a little bit. That is where I did have my initial experience with drones, right? Okay. Uh, and the Marine Corps, they kind of just handed me a box and said, hey, this is yours. And I was like, what's in there? And it's like, it's a drone. I was like, what's a drone? Yeah. And they're like, you got to fly this thing. I'm like, what in the world's going on? Right. Uh, what, what year was this? It's 2011 and 12. Okay. So, so early drone technology. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had the, uh, <clears throat> the T-Hawk. I don't know if you've seen that shop vac that flies. Looks like one of those weird strobe things from uh, the Star Wars um, okay. probes from Star Wars. Didn't bring that outside the wire. We're like, this thing's ridiculous. It's too <laughs> loud. It's, it's clunky. It's yeah. just a, a propane uh, powered Shop vac, basically. <laughs> Take off in the air. It was propane powered? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Hell pull, yeah. You know, pull the string and go. <laughs> Just a, a floating bomb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. Uh, then we had the RQ-16 Raven. battery powered. Mm-hmm. Slap the battery in there. You probably use some of that kind of stuff. Hand tossed. Yeah. Uh, that's what we used on the convoys. And then uh, every night we'd go firm. We'd have a big uh, a box of trucks and angry porcupine. All the guns pointing out were outboard. And we would do... Uh, persistent ISR at night using thermals mm-hmm. to make sure no bad guys were coming up on us. Sure. So using that over there, you know, gave, uh, using the RQ-16 over there gave me a lot of perspective of what drones could do. You mm-hmm. know, we kept our entire um, 120 vehicle convoy safe uh, while we we're trying to like, get some rest and stuff like that. Sure. Um, and that led me to um, pursuing that technology after you know, going to school, using my GI Bill and, and coming out into the commercial drone industry. Gotcha. Okay. So you had your first experience in, with them in 2011. Was it something you got into over the preceding years? So Not at all. Okay. Yeah. Um, just random touch while, while deployed. And then uh, my brother actually got into drones hardcore, right? Mm. Air Force veteran, okay. uh, big into tech, was a photographer, like getting into drones and stuff like that. And I was like, when he first told me about it, I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you getting, you have these robots, you're flying around taking cool pictures. Like, why? You know? Uh, fast forward a couple of years. Interesting. Yeah, how it always works like that. We always uh, meet these kind of new age philosophies with resistance. Yeah. Right? Sometimes, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I had had no idea what he had. What is this witchcraft? (laughs) You know? (laughs) It's true, yeah. It's kind of true. You're wasting your time away. You know, (laughs) you said said the same thing with kids in video games. Now they're making, you know, 17 million a year. Yeah. (laughs) Reviewing and playing video games. Yeah, Yeah, but that's a whole other topic. (laughs) We're not not in vets to games yet. (laughs) No, that's a whole other guy. (laughs) That's company number two. (laughs) No, so you get out. um, So you have this experience. Your brother kind of motivates you to get into this as well? Uh, So I had a strange course of study when I uh, was using my GI Bill's uh, 
basically a canvas of human technology throughout, or technology and how it affected society throughout human history in a nutshell. Um, and started leading towards the next level of technology, what's coming next. So started a little bit of a biotech, uh, some of the other IoT, Internet of Things, mm-hmm. yeah. um, Web3, uh, uh, blockchain technologies, and then, of course, drones. Uh, so I kind of give you that perspective of understanding uh, or at least being able to see that there's a potential in uh, these new technologies, especially Definitely. drones, and, and how it could affect society. So I graduated from school in 2020, uh, middle of COVID. So mm-hmm. I have a bachelor's degree, I'm out of the military, and I'm in the civilian world for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? You know, the world's <laughs> yeah. on fire, COVID's yeah. going on, uh, there aren't any jobs out here. There's weird, like, nine to five corporate jobs are trying to put me in a cubicle. I'm like, you guys mm. are insane. I don't think you know me. No, yeah. that's not going to no. work. <laughs> not me. No. No. You can't, can't put, I think, any infantryman in a, in a box like yeah. that. Well, I, can't box me out. Too, and I just <laughs> yeah. grew up going down to the river and shooting at alligator guard and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah. day not, in and day out. Yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not normal. I can't, I can't do the, the normal kind of uh, lifestyle stuff. Uh, so I got really lucky. Basically, right? Got a drone, started getting into it. It's flying out with this little $150 like uh, starter drone they use for like K through 12. Okay. Mm-hmm. Flying around the backyard with my kids and stuff like that. I'm like, all right, cool. Meet a guy at the park in Raleigh, right? Dorothy Dix Park. It's big open space in the middle of the town. And he's like, hey, do you want to go to California and start making money doing this? And I was like, what? <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so he's like, all right, you got 48 hours. Get in my truck. Let's go. Oh, we shit. Got in his 03 F-150 and drove to California and... uh started in the drone industry. So we were doing the uh, wildfire mitigation program for the power line companies out yeah. in California. Yeah, uh, Huge contracts across the entire state because of the Paradise Fire that happened back mm-hmm. in uh, 2018. Yeah, I was on that one. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah, so big. The insurance companies after that fire require the uh, power companies to inspect the lines every year. Yeah. So now th- those were the contracts I was hopping on. Okay, yeah. They used to do that with helicopters and they would hang a guy from underneath it and they'd fly up to each individual pylon. The guy would check all the individual ones. Helicopter would swing over to the next one. <laughs> they would well, do it from Northern California all the way down to, to Los Angeles. <laughs> well, that's a fun job. I'm pretty, yeah. pretty sure that's like a one in a million kind of guy to do that job first. Yeah, that's and hard. Then the yeah. efficiency. Yeah. yeah. They, they, I just saw this article about um, this, this tower. I forget where it's located, but they pay this guy $20,000 every six months yeah. to go change the light bulb at the top. Yeah. It's like a radio tower in North radio, Dakota or something. Yeah. yeah. And, that's well. and, and, and to to think about like these kind of brave individuals who do this are just like we're going to replace it with this kind of technology. Yeah, um, I remember Super my and faster works. Yeah, yeah my absolutely. my buddy back in like 2013 uh, had a roofing business and he integrated drones into checking the roofs. Mm-hmm. And made a boatload of money with it. That's it. Made a boatload of money with it. Just think anywhere where it's dangerous to send a person. It's like, well, send a drone first. Yeah. Check it out. Scope it out. Yeah. Makes it a lot easier. It makes total sense. Mm-hmm. So you get this big... So who is this guy that you... This random guy you meet in... You said in Louisiana, right? No, in uh, North Carolina. North Carolina. Yep. Excuse me. Um, so you meet this random guy. He says, hop in my truck. Let's let's go make some money in California. Who is this? Like, How did you... How does this guy influence you? And what happened from there? So in the industry is known as flight bike... Okay. He is one of my best friends ever. Okay. Uh, like a brother to me, mm. honestly, at this point. You know, right then we had just met and drove to California together. Yeah. And since then, we've done all kinds of projects. After California was done, we went down to Miami for, uh, I think, Hurricane Dorian. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, doing power line inspections down there as well. 
as soon as New Year hit, I think it was on New Year's Eve, we drove we drove from North Carolina to St. Louis to mm-hmm. do telecommunication inspections out there for the um, the cell towers. For, okay. I think it was for the Dish Network rollout or something like that. Um, and then back to California, and we kind of just canvassed the industry, kind of going around, hopping on all these different jobs, uh, which he had been doing for years. You know, okay. I just got really lucky to kind of run into him while he was doing this incredible drone journey. You know, he'd yeah. been uh, in the industry, I think, since 2013 or 15 okay. uh, out of New York City. Um, and he's just, just a true red-blooded American, not a veteran, but he's from New York, you know, saw the towers drop uh, mm-hmm. way back, uh, um, and... He's just a mover, just an okay. absolute hustler that yeah. will get out there and, and get the job done. Um, and, you know, I really picked up on that, I guess, that New York energy whenever he was, uh, we were working together and uh, rolled with that into my own career in the mm. drone industry as well. Nice. Okay. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a ton of applications for the, the drones. I mean, from commercial to defense now we're seeing, like, that's quickly increasing now the integration of AI into the drone technology at the same time. Mm-hmm. And they're doing some really cool stuff. I mean, whether it's reconnaissance or commercial inspections like you're talking about or even the big sky shows, mm-hmm. like the, where they're integrating, how, what, 500,000 drones into these massive shows? Oh, they're yeah, all, they're replacing fireworks. Yeah. No, they work like, in conjunction with them. So we just okay. had a team do um, uh, the Carowinds uh, 50 Nights of Drone Light shows. Okay. Uh, and they did fireworks and music and all yeah. of it at the same time. So they had drones on this side, fireworks on this side. Nice. Uh, it was a 200 drone show, and they did it for 50 nights straight. That's uh, cool. Excellent. So and we have had several firefighters say, we, we help train firefighters and stuff like that now. Yeah. Uh, you're going to replace my side gig. My side gig's doing the fireworks for the town or the oh, yeah. counties and stuff like yeah. that. I was like, no, no, no. Bring it together. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a, yeah. yeah. So, th- so this is, that's why you're so defensive on this because this is a hot button topic. Oh, absolutely. Okay. It's a great, great cash flow opportunity for anybody yeah. trying to get yeah. into the drone industry. Uh, I think uh, they're cool. It, look, I think it's amazing. wicked. So, yeah, so talk so to cool. us about the setup of the, this. I mean, you were in logistics, so you understand kind of the premise of this as well. <laughs> but like the coordination that it requires to get 200 plus drones in the air, synchronized, ready to go for 50 nights in a row. What does that look like? So I... I hired the, or I brought the veterans to that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Not the mm-hmm. uh, the company that actually hired the veterans is uh, a huge fireworks company out of Ohio. Okay, uh, they've been doing fireworks for I don't know, hundred years or something mm. like that. So um, I was, uh, I just facilitate getting the veterans to the work. Okay, so gotcha. make sure they're trained up and get out there. But yeah, I mean, do you, do you have an idea of what that looks like though? Like, if you're running a two hundred drone show like that, how many people does it take to operate something like that? Is it is that like a big Big giant what do you even carry that in or, a Connex? Yeah, they that, have a Connex, yeah. or is that like two dudes who who show up and they set out some drones and someone hits a button? That's it. Okay, yeah, honestly, yeah, it's, it's one or two guys out of a Connex. They have a, um, it's not metal because the metal messes with the GPS uh, sure. of the drones, but it's like this carbon fiber uh, platform. They set up all hundred or two hundred drones or yeah. more on that carbon fiber platform and press the button whenever it's ready to go. It's like an arming switch and a button. So it's That's not, super cool. it, it, and, and back when this started, right, we talk about the progression of technology. It was someone placing them on the ground mm-hmm. one by one. Yep. And now we have just trailers that can open up and launch them off. No, they still place them all out. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. One one, yeah. But I mean, eventually it's probably going to get like that. You'll have a bed, you'll open the top and they'll just all spill out. Yeah, there's, I've and seen a couple swarm. of. Uh, Have you seen the Amazon from, drones from Amazon? Jesus vans, Christ! Yeah. It looks like an alien invasion. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. just all these like drones just popping out. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh I've sickening. Seen some of their, their awesome stuff. Their hives and stuff like that. It's pretty. The hives. Yeah. Oh, man. 
that's what they're calling them now. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah, that's kind of cool. But for the most part, we're in um, you know training veterans to get in the commercial side yes. of the industry, doing yeah. infrastructure yeah. inspections and stuff like that. Uh, one of the main reasons we uh, we wanted to talk was uh, the Veterans in the Forest Initiative as well, hmm. uh, and what we're doing to train veterans and prepare them to get into reforestation work or forestry work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Veterans in the Forest uh, project is one of our, our our key initiatives, and it's a culminating training after uh, we bring them through our, our ground school. Okay. And they go out to the field. They perform actual infrastructure or data collection uh, missions out in uh, these reforested areas all across the U.S. Okay, mm. gotcha. And what does that look like? What does that entail? Are they just canvassing the area? What's what's going on? So we get KML uh, data uh, or maps from the clients mm-hmm. and say, hey, we reforested this site two or three years ago. Um, we go out with the drone. We have the KMLs and we set up with our, our software, uh, usually Drone Deploy, one of our partners. Uh, we set up the software to, to map out that area. Um, after we map it out, we get the data, we send it to another uh, veteran partner of ours out of Georgia that does the uh, AI data analytics to mm-hmm. uh, pinpoint and locate all the trees and the saplings, and then we get an accurate count of those areas to see the uh, survivability rate after they've done a reforestation. Okay. Um, so you guys are tracking, there. regraining everything. Perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. And so, is it? Oh, uh, yeah. Before we before we dive too too far into the, the programs, let's let's rewind a little bit and talk about... Uh, so you got this experience working with Flight Mike, right? And then is this when you uh, you found Vets to Drones or is this when you get the idea to start integrating it? Before we get too far into the programs, let's talk about how and why it started. Perfect. So yeah, um, that was when I met, um, obviously I'm a veteran as well, but that was when I met one of the veterans in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was brand new as well. Um, similar story. Uh, he was in grad school. Grad school got shut down because of COVID. Mm. Like, all the funding went to biotech. Yeah. Kind of thing. Uh, so we met each other out in, in California. One of his buddies who was like, hey, why don't you talk to my buddy Trevor? Uh, he's an Army vet. He's a Cav Scout. Uh, uh, deployed to Afghanistan, Afghanistan a couple of times. And I was like, all right, cool. Go talk to him. He's like, man, so he went through 20 years of warfare for what? He's like, I had buddies that died over there. There's no real reason for it. And I was like, I got you, man. Yeah, things are rough. It doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. But look where we are right now. Right, We're out here in California getting paid decent money mm-hmm. to fly robots around. Um, it's just an incredible place we we can be together in, in after our service. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think there's there's more into this. You yeah. know, it's like it's just like a finding your solace out in the civilian world. Exactly. You know, we're actually you able to use some of the skills that you gain in, in the military. Yeah, especially the hard skills from like infantry kind of stuff. You know, you're able to read a map. Yeah. able to traverse land that's pretty difficult. Drive off road. Yeah, you know, yeah. things. That so we it keeps think you outdoors and. Yeah. And um, two, we, we talk about this all the time um, with adventure therapies. Um, and I think this kind of falls under that category of, of when you're engaged in an activity like flying a drone, I'm sure everything else melts away. Mm-hmm. All you could do is focus on this, focus on that expensive equipment that's yeah. now you're responsible for. It's not big it's Uncle in Sam. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the, in the air. It's got propellers, all this stuff. So you're just so totally focused on this. That's got to be kind of, and we didn't talk about this, it just uh, help with your mental health a little bit as well, right? Absolutely. It's mm-hmm. peaceful. Like yeah. you're, you're hyper-focused, which um, you know, some of the other veterans I've talked to about before have touched on that. It's like you're, you don't get that opportunity to hyper-focus in on mm-hmm. something like that out in the civilian world. Yeah. And that's what they trained us to do for years. So yeah. it's like, wow, this is an opportunity to use that skill or that that ability. Yes. Um, the, the gentleman I'm talking about right now was uh, 
part of a motorcycle club. He's like, that's the only other time he finds that kind of solace is mm. when he's riding a bike pretty fast. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. got to be fast. Yeah. yeah. You got you got to be moving where you have no other time to think about anything else. Yeah. Exactly. And, and then your life's in danger. So it's exactly. Yeah. Just yeah. Make it perfect. perfect. And, see and you're not in a fucking cubicle, man. <laughs> you know? No. Well, since I started Vester Jones, I've been a keyboard warrior all day. You know, yeah. and, and but, yeah. we talk about that balance all the time as well. And at the end of the day, we come to the conclusion that when you're sitting in an office and a majority of your work is being forward facing and out there, you know, interacting with, uh, you know, your customers, your clients, whatever the case may be, that administrative work, it needs to be done, but it only moves the needle so far, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So how do you find the balance in that as well? You didn't want to go to a cubicle, but now at least you control your own schedule. Yeah. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I, I lean heavily on volunteers that, that help out. Mm. Um, you know, as a, a veteran community, there are a ton of other vets that are interested in this technology. Um, we are up to, we just passed 900 yesterday, um, which is great. Um, 900 what? Members. Uh, members. Of vets to drones? Yep. Dude, that's, that's incredible, awesome. man. Yeah. Started at 40 uh, last year, around uh, June, and up to 900. But between now and last June? Yep. So in a year and a, a month or two. What wow. does this entail? Nice. What are the volunteers doing? What's going on? Like, you have 900 people in your, your you know, your roster. What are, they, what are they doing on average? So one of the things we do with Vets of Drones is a fly day. Right? Okay. We just get a bunch of veterans together. We bring out a tent, a bunch of drones. Hey, if you're a vet, come out here and fly. Hmm. So if we're um, talking cool. to a veteran in, in California, say, hey, we need you to coordinate this, this, and this so we can come into this town and have a place to fly. It's in clear airspace. Ah, so you have chapters, essentially, exactly. nice. that could help with the logistics in any state. That's the plan, right? Yep. That's incredible. Right. So do they, you offer that subject matter experts to engage with other companies? Yeah, well, for the most part, I, I I tend to do most of the like corporate interaction kind of stuff. But um, mm. uh, when it comes to getting there in person and doing like a, a fly day, yeah, it's, it's all heavily relied on uh, the volunteer in that locality. Mm. Uh, we also have a, a team built uh, internally that we meet multiple times a week, if not multiple times a day, and talk about our marketing strategy, uh, just the the integrate or bringing bringing on new members into the the organization mm -hmm. uh making sure they they get a warm welcome they know okay. where to be at what time join the webinar on our on thursdays and uh really get interacting with the rest of the community nice um yeah it's just uh veterans like to help each other and it yeah. works out really well because uh this technology is not i mean it seems simple at first but once you get into the nitty-gritty it's like okay this is some complex tech oh yeah and uh having a community to like lean on uh to to move forward is huge Especially if you're trying to do it on your own, right? Like Absolutely. if you're trying to learn these things in order to start your own commercial business or your own defense business within the drone industry, mm. like you're going to have to dive in really, really deep into that technology and understand it, especially since it's evolving. Like every other week, there's a new piece of technology that's dropping for these things, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And even some of the largest uh, defense contracting companies are now oh, yeah. on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen uh, this new documentary out, but uh, it's Killer Robots. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, that's not really the appeal we're trying to have on the industry. We're not looking at killer robots and stuff like sure. that. But, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is doing we, a great job. We do job. Uh, work for some individuals that uh, do some of the killer robots, man. And uh, <laughs> it is a scary world, right? Yeah. And and I'm sure that integration between drone technology and this type of thing, too, you know, robots as well, crosses your mind quite a bit. Mm -hmm. How do you find the balance between that? 
And what are you doing to educate yourself, educate your team on integrations like AI and robot technologies? Yeah, I've, um, I've, I lead a lot of the charge when it comes to like reading and, and doing a lot of the weird document deep dives. Mm-hmm. Um, but we put a homework channel on our, uh, our Slack. Okay. So whenever I read a document, I'm like, all right, guys, you need to pay attention to this. So I'll drop it in there and I'll put a little announcement. I was like, guys, check out this homework. And uh, some people read it, some people don't. When they do, <laughs> it's an interesting conversation on the back end. Well, that's great. I mean, it sounds like you have consistent communication with the people who partake in your program beyond just like getting them trained, right? So it's it's a group where they have access to continuous resources and continuous education specifically for the, the line of work that they're getting into, right? Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, that's the importance of the community. It's like I love that. It's constantly evolving and the knowledge base is so vast when people come from cybersecurity or from infantry mm. or from uh, whatever background. It's like there's so many different types of uh, skill sets that come into this industry. It's really yeah. then we help them hone uh, the direction they want to go in this industry and how they want to use their technology to uh, make money, okay. uh, start a career or start their own business. Okay, so say I want to sign up for this program and I want to learn how to fly a drone and get into like commercial droning or, or I'm not sure what, what jobs are available for me. So I come to you and I sign up. What, what's the process look like from there? Um, you sign up, go to vetsdrones.org and sign up. Uh, the first thing to do is get on the webinar. Okay. Come to a community uh, and have that as close to a face-to-face interaction as you can have when mm-hmm. you have 900 members all across the country. Uh, from there, we invite you to the Slack channel, and that's where it's constant communication with all the different chapters mm. and different drone pilots within our community across the U.S. Okay. So right off the bat, you have access to start learning. Yep. That's that's yeah. We don't we don't want to slow anybody. It's almost down. like the uh, the, the ham radio perimeter, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just you in, invite this just culmination of individuals out who just have a drone hobby, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. So they they get to go attend this webinar. Probably don't talk much. They listen most of the time. Get on the Slack, and they're they're starting to get all these updates. And then then what? What's next? Well, now we uh, we recently received a grant from Truist Foundation. Okay. Um, so with uh, with that, we're, we're starting our training next week. We'll be okay. in North Carolina first. Uh, we have about 15 students signed up for next week. And is this is this uh, like free for veterans? Mm-hmm. It, oh, that's incredible. Completely so. free. Um, the only thing we ask is that they get there. Mm-hmm. Um, room, we have hotels all, all covered and co- uh, ready for them to stay at. Okay. Uh, a couple of restaurants have also volunteered to you know, provide meals. So wow. we're... Good to go for the week. So just travel costs. Just travel costs. That's yeah. uh, we couldn't cover the travel costs. We would have extremely d- diminished our ability. To right. Yeah, of course. Regardless. But you're going to. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll let you get into the, the program. But you're going to like learn skills that are going to take you into a brand new career for the cost of a plane ticket. Like that's a, that's, that's worth the investment right there. Yeah. 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 That's incredible. Have you looked into like SkillBridge programs to help train these people? Yeah, that's incredible. So we're registered on SkillBridge as well. Awesome. Um, okay. We have several other SkillBridge interns coming on. We've had, I think, four come through our, four or five come through our program so far. Okay. It's been incredible for them. Now, so. are, you, are you helping with job placement as well? That's incredible mm-hmm. as well. So not only are you giving these vets an opportunity to attend this program and learn, which is the certification on average is what, 25? Like how much are these things worth? For the drone for like a commercial uh, drone, oh, commercial drone certification is one hundred seventy five dollars from the FAA. But okay, to 
I mean, the training courses out here are pretty expensive. I mean, there's yeah. some that go for three days and you'll pay $5,000. Yeah. yeah, okay. It's, yeah. it's pretty uh, expensive to go and get the uh, so, stabilized. So you're doing this, you're giving them the opportunity, and then also maybe here's a job for you at the end of it. Yeah, we have several uh, hiring partners all across the, the industry, and we uh, they're excited to hire veterans. Mm -hmm. We're excited to train veterans and send them to them, so mm -hmm. it works out pretty well. Okay. Yeah. So what's so what's your program look like? You said you have 15 participants showing up. Mm -hmm. How long is that program? Is that like a three to five day course? And what all are they learning? Yep. It's a three day. So it's phase one. So okay. we're broken down in three phases. Next week's phase one, three day course. Uh, it's the NIST lanes, which is the National Institute of Science and Technology. It's mm -hmm. basically a, a shooting range for drones. You go out, it's timed. Uh, it's well, the, the scoring method is based on time and, and accuracy. Okay. So imagine going through a shooting lane. It's mm -hmm. same thing, but you're on the sticks. Um, we have, we'll be doing mapping training as well, and we'll uh, test them out on NIST uh, at the end of that week. Um, we also have one of the best drone pilots I've ever met, Trevor LaCourish. I met him down in a uh, Army veteran, met him down at Hurricane Ida. Uh, hmm. He's doing a lot of the telecommunication uh, inspections out there, and um, he's going to be our primary inst uh, instructor for next week. We're doing a bonus day on Monday as well, so where he can come in and kind of show off his... Uh, everything from his, his rig, his drone rig, to all the drones in his arsenal, mm. um, and some of the ones he's built as well. Uh, yeah. Is he doing the FPV stuff too? No, not that as much. He does. Kind of he's, I would call him the, a sensor expert. So okay. when it comes to different types of data collection and the analytics behind it, mm. and the types of sensors and the, that you would use for those types of data collection, he is the guy for that. Interesting. That's incredible. Yeah, it gets That's incredible. Right. So let's get a sneak peek into where the technology is going. Like, for instance, we know with AI integration that piloting the drone is not going to be as prominent, right? You could essentially set parameters that say, go over this area and just do it up. So now you're not on the stick as much. So what, what other kind of things are you seeing in this world? So with, um, I, don't, I don't think drone piloting will go away in, mm -hmm. in, in complete, completely yeah. uh, uh, for at least five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um because the forefront of the technology is always going to need a person with a Part 107 flying that drone to make sure they're doing this either new use case or this very uh, technical or sensitive mm -hmm. use case. Mm -hmm. um, now, past that, the, the FAA's ARC report came out with uh, the advisory committee from, from D.C. Um, with Part 108. So Part 107 is your initial commercial drone pilot's license. Part 108 is designed for one person to be able to control multiple drones at one time okay. beyond the visual line of sight. So in an office setting um, um, with a, a dashboard in front of you with 40 drones up there, right? Um, that's coming pretty quickly. I'd say 2025, we're going to start seeing those types of jobs come up. Okay. Uh, I do know some of wow. my... Yeah, some so of it's, my, it's almost like monitoring security systems at that absolutely. point. Well, think of a fire department, or air traffic control mm. kind of thing. It's, like it's your digital air traffic controls, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's got to be stressful. It's fun. You mean? Yeah. I mean, forty screens. What is it watching? I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, depends on what it's watching. Say they're not all active at one time. Okay. So you have a public safety agency, police or fire, and there's a fire across town near the precinct, and you get a, the call. As soon as the call happens, one of those forty drones uh, is in the so it's air like dispatch responding, almost. Yeah. yeah dispatching mm, okay. to that that location. Location. Interesting. Then the uh, cool. the fire chief is able to sit in the truck while the truck's headed to the site. Yeah. Which is about two and a half to three minute response time um, and see 
the fire and plan the fire two, while like they're on en route. A full two minutes ahead. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's that time counts too. When Absolutely. you're when you're responding to an emergency situation like that, if you can get eyes on two minutes ahead and get a game plan going, other than just like if you're a firefighter, what do you do? Pull up in your truck and then you start to figure it that's out. It. It's mm-hmm. like, wow, this building's yeah. on fire. That's great. I mean that's 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 exactly what we would do in rescue. We'd get a radio call and like, hey, pass this information to us so we can get like, you know, are there buildings around or are there trees around? Can we land in the area? Like, give us like some information so we can start building our game plan. And a lot of times it's just like, I don't know, like, <laughs> come on, we need help. Show up and you'll figure out when you get there. But having eyes on ahead of time is is a really big deal. Absolutely. And that's where a lot of the AI uh, capabilities are, are coming up right now too, mm-hmm. is the visual analytics of uh uh, of different situations, you know, yeah. whether it's uh, training a machine learning algorithm to identify firearms mm-hmm. or, or for hot spotting for fires and stuff like that, yeah. um, uh, vehicle counting, things like that, so. or, or even basics like in 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 the uh, the fire department scenario, right? If they're receiving a call that contains a location, well, that can be an automated feature, right? So not necessarily for threat determination or anything, but just the logistics of like. The address comes in, you know where you're supposed to be heading, and that drone can automatically launch and head to that that address. Absolutely. That, like that can be completely unmanned at that point mm-hmm. to where it's an automated system and even just steps like that leading towards just eat yeah, yeah, it makes it easy, right? You have you have that GPS guidance there. Mm-hmm. They just start circling the perimeter yeah. until you're ready to operate. That's it. That's pretty damn cool. That is. And then further capabilities are coming as well. Um but that's that's the next step that's coming up mm-hmm. between now and twenty twenty five. That's what a lot of mm-hmm. folks are working on. Okay, mm-hmm. and then further further capabilities sounds a little yeah. ominous. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was interesting. No, we're here in San Antonio. Uh, my buddy Andrew's here, uh, our marketing director, and uh, he's locally here. He's like, "Hey, man, we got to check out this Techport San Antonio thing." I'm like, "What are you talking about? What is that?" Yeah, get over there. Go inside, and the first thing I see on the wall is this giant mural and it says Vertiport. I was like, "These guys know what Vertiport's are. What's going on?" <laughs> so a Vertiport is. Uh, Designed for air taxis. Mm-hmm. So not just delivering pizzas and cappuccinos, but eventually uh, a method of transportation for yeah. people to move around more easily. Uh, so I don't know if you've seen like Joby or any of these other air taxi companies, but uh, it's designed for you to get inside and take you across town autonomously. Yeah. Um, so all, I've read through all the FA regs surrounding vertiports and how they're designed and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's really interesting to see, or that's, what would come next from like that 2025 to 2030 yeah. kind of span. Um, it's interesting to see people uh, at least interested in that, that part of the tech, you know, it's interesting, but I don't know. I might, I might wait for V2 or V3. Before <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. They've already had the, the aircraft are out there. I don't yeah. Know if, yeah. I mean, they've been testing them out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen some organizations that have the like, huge drones yeah. and it's grounded. Like they don't touch it. Like yeah, I don't know how to get this thing in the air. I'm yeah. Like, all right, that's not that's cool. But. It's not good, well, but uh, I mean, at the at the end of the day, we know that it, it's not like a pharmaceutical company. You have one death correlated with drone transportation, and the whole company will go just under. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So you have that motivating you at least. Mm-hmm. And the FA is no uh, uh, is very safety. Uh, focused. Yeah. So yes. Those yeah. regulations are there for a reason. Hmm. Um, think about when you go on a commercial air or airplane flight, like it's. You're in a giant metal tube flying through there. Like, there's a lot of safety regulations surrounding yeah. that because it's and and how often do you see you know plane wrecks? Not as often, not that often. Yeah, not that rarely. often. Yeah. yeah. So, I think we have the technology out there. It's just the companies who cut corners and go cheap with things. That's yeah, where the that. big problems yeah. are at. Absolutely. Well, right, we have the technology to build anything that we want. It's just cost effective. 
is how we have to analyze that, right? Absolutely. That, same thing we talk about all the time with prosthetics, you know? You could have one that'll let, let you jump 30 feet up in the air, you know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, no one wants to pay for that. It's going to cost right? you. It's yeah. going to cost you a million dollars to make that kind of thing, you know? And, yeah. you know, when you have a certain amount of individuals, is it worth it? Mm. You know? Mm. I think so. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> Someone I with the prosthetic. <laughs> in favor of that one. Yeah, yeah, I think it is worth it. Um, yeah. Yeah, the biomechanical kind of uh, technology is definitely important. I think there's a lot of lot of inroads on in that one. Mm. And I think, you know, uh, a lot of uh, the help we can provide with our programs, is like some veterans that can't uh, walk anymore. You know, I was talking to one, I think last week or the week before, he's doing a shooting competition and there he has a chair. And they're pushing through the shooting lanes so he can get through a course of fire. I'm like, man, that's incredible. That's pretty cool. Yeah, of course. It's yeah. Like, that's awesome. You're able to do something you used to do. But why don't you come hang out with us and we'll teach you something you've never done before yeah. that you could do. We'll on teach your you own. how to fly. Yeah. Teach you how to fly. Exactly. Get yeah. you in there. Um, get your own like uh, sprinter van rigged up for you. You can go anywhere. Yeah. See anything. Yeah. To do this kind of work. That it's, is so. It's such a great point for like paralyzed veterans too, you know, who are paralyzed from the sternum down, you know, have, have the operation with their hands yeah. and you give them that freedom to fly, you know, see anything you want in the world. Absolutely. By just, you know, with your van. I love that. Yeah. One of our, um, one of the main veterans we talked to, he's our drone deploy rep, Rob Corbett. It's huge help when he's, uh, he's has some troubles, like limited use in his hands and stuff like that. But he got into the drone industry and just completely excelled. Mm. And it was incredible to see his journey when he was, you know, just being Rob on his own out of Virginia, flying drones around and having this cool thing. And then when he got picked up by drone deploy, it was like, boom, look at that. Just amazing success. Nice. Uh, um, when you know most people would say, oh, he's got some kind of disability. There's no way he's going to be able to excel in the civilian world. And he's just <laughs> rocking. Yeah. He's doing great. So just it's just crushing. See. Yeah. We hear that too often. And I love watching people say, no, watch this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's it right there. I love that. <laughs> that's, that's great. So, um, What's the drone job market like, right? Mm -hmm. So this is obviously... I was just going to ask that question. Oh, yeah, we're up. What well, jobs are there out there a, for drones? Absolutely. Same wavelength on this side of the table. That's right. <laughs> so what's the job market look like? What can you expect? Like if you're trying to just get into this, obviously this is a job placement program mm -hmm. on top of, you know, you, you can have this as a hobby as well, but what can people expect? Is there is there a healthier job market right now? What are they what are they starting, like a starting salary? What, what can it grow into? What's Absolutely. that stuff looking like? So I, I give people three routes, right? You're either going to do a W-2, mm -hmm. find a larger company that's doing uh, mass hiring for big inspection time of work, like yeah. in California, uh, some here in Texas in the Southwest. Uh, you're going to go freelance, mm -hmm. which is hopping on these like Uber-style apps where you do a drone on-demand kind of thing. You just grind it out, okay. go and hop on all these different job opportunities so you can get your hours up and work into something else. Or you own your own business mm -hmm. and you dive all the way in and you find your niche in the industry and you uh, you become the the drone guy in your local area. Yeah. Right? In my my hometown, I'm the drone guy. Everybody knows me as the drone guy. Uh, and those are really the three options. Now, when it comes to W-2 work, there are huge opportunities coming up, but it comes in these like waves, mm. right? The way I got into the industry is kind of, uh, it's evolving into a more professional kind of uh, style. Sure. Uh, whereas I dove in pretty quickly and kind of hit the ground running. Um, but basically in January, there's a wave of hiring in California mm -hmm. in between, right? When it gets really hot. So we say June to August, it's kind of a lull because okay. it's too hot in California. Everything's, Everything's on, fire on fire anyways. Yeah. <laughs> All the fires are starting. Nobody wants to be out there inspecting the power lines when, you know, there's a fire over the hill. Yeah. Uh, and then towards the second half. So in the middle of the, the industries, when I would come home and, and 
build my own business. Okay. Do drone jobs, do uh, construction mapping for a university or different commercial clients, or hop into telecom and do some cell tower work, kind of freelance in between. And the second half would be hurricane season, especially okay. for us in the Southeast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you're like rotating your business across the con- country to hit the certain peaks throughout exactly. the year. That sounds pretty fun. That, that's also in it. That's very innovative as well. Yeah. I mean, that that this, this is something that over the last like, I mean, twenty years you you couldn't even dream of doing. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even the last five years. If you go back to five years, yeah. I was like, no way. Ease of travel, like. You know, I mean, you could go to the airport. You don't have to go to the airport three hours before anymore. You know, yeah. you might nowadays because everything is delayed. Dallas, that's up to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck DFW, <laughs> American <laughs> Airlines, Dallas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I feel you. Um, yeah, so that I mean, that is that's really just being adaptable. And do you think that that quality, I mean, was driven in you from the military? Uh, I th- it has to be. I mean, I really don't have any other like civilian job experience. Mm-hmm. You know. I've, my whole life before drones was almost a decade of military experience and then came out here and I was like, I don't fit into your weird little gray box you want to put me in. True story. Had to go. True story. uh, Hit the ground running and haven't stopped for, uh, what, three years, I guess, since uh, Mm. at this point. Yeah. I mean, it it sounds like there's some pretty cool opportunities and it sounds like it affords you the freedom and flexibility that you have in the military in some aspect or another, right? So you're not stuck in a cubicle, but you can go travel. You you get to be outside. You get to be engaging with an audience and, or, or, or people that, uh, you know, you're like-minded with, right? So you're still engaging with veterans, veterans who fly drones. So it kind of doubles down on the interest there. So you're staying within your community again. You can really go do whatever you want, wherever you want. It sounds like. It's becoming that, that yeah. stage, um, which is great because all I really want to do is help veterans learn how to fly drones and mm. progress this industry a little bit further. So yeah. it, it works out perfectly <laughs> in that end. But um, for any other veteran interested in getting in, it's like that. You're going on these incredible missions. Uh, it's work. Right? Yeah. I tell oh, people yeah. it's not easy. It's just awesome. Yeah. There's no like easy button. This is not a get rich quick kind of scheme. Like you're going to go work your ass off. But it's the. I don't know if you can find work as fun as this in the civilian world. Yeah. You're able to travel, um, not just nationally, but internationally to do this work mm. uh, and basically be on demand to do uh, data collection missions anywhere. Mm. Um, mm. And right now it's just a, it's a hot button. It's a hot ticket. And there's a lot of opportunities out there, especially um, internationally. Oh, yeah. So. Well, I mean, it sounds like you, you get out of it what you put in, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you got a drone sitting right there next to you. Exactly. I know we do have a lot of audio-based listeners, but can you describe like what the average drone looks like, what it flies like? Sure. Uh, this, you know, I think idea, right? I think we all have uh, this notion that drones are these huge, uh, for commercial use at least, are these huge things that we use to kind of use an airport to launch out, but that's not the case. These things could fit in just a small suitcase. Absolutely. Yeah, we're not talking, mostly for commercial work, we're not talking about Reapers and all those huge drones like that. But um, most small quadcopters like this will uh, enable you to do some type of uh, uh, data collection work. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the Skydio 2 Plus. Um, It's American-made drone, blue-listed, which means it's uh, able to be sold to the DOD, which is excellent Mm. um, for the company. Uh, This company is known mainly for its uh, autonomy. Yeah. It's ability to detect and avoid. So it has six uh, photosensors on top and bottom that do a 360 uh, uh, view. So it won't run into any obstacles whenever it's doing inspections, which made it perfect for um, um, bridge inspections, oh, which yeah. is one of the, the uh, 
workflows that came or use cases that came out right when this drone was being released as well. Mm. Um, and actually, North Carolina was the first uh, state in the union to do, sign the waiver for bridge inspections uh, used, uh, conducted by drone. Okay. Um, which saves an incredible amount of time, uh, manpower, everything. Yeah. You can go out there with a two-person team and, inspe- and you know, uh, completely map out a, a bridge down to a centimeter accuracy. And what when, are you looking for when you're doing these bridge inspections? Well, for a drone pilot, you're looking to make sure it's a perfect picture that you send to the engineers so they can yeah, okay. determine the structural integrity of a bridge. That's okay. not, that's definitely yeah. not my, my expertise. So what I mean by that is like, are you like looking for cracks? Are you looking for breaks? Um, old dilapidated bridges, like mm-hmm. uh, train tracks, like is that the kind of bridges you're looking uh, exactly hard it's, to reach. It's all safety uh, standards based off of uh, civil engineering standards that are outside of my, my necessary uh, realm of expertise. But sure. yeah, it's cracks. In, in so you're, yeah, I mean, you're essentially the eyes, and you report this back to them, and they go through it. Do you do you follow on? Do you uh, with that, or you just deliver it? And do you stay engaged with the process? How does that work? It depends on the client. Like, okay. if I, say, if I'm working for a W two company, yeah, right, I'm collecting the data, yeah. providing the data to their analytics team. It's cut and dry. I'm a drone pilot. That's mm-hmm. it. If I'm running my own business, my own for-profit business, it's called Spotter. Uh, yes, I'm doing the full analytics. I'm following on with the client, doing full reports, whether it's a integrity report, the ortho mosaic report, measurements from whatever building or, or structure I'm, I'm measuring, uh, full thermography reports that I get mm-hmm. uh, signed off on by one of our thermographers. Yeah, that's a whole, yeah, if you run the whole business, you do the whole thing. Yeah, amazing. But, um W two, yeah, you're out there flying a drone, part one hundred and seven, and it's just a ball. It's awesome. Man, it is just incredible drone technology. Um, we just saw recently saw a video of a drone flying over an active volcano. Have you seen that one? Uh, absolutely, yeah, it's so incredible. Cool. Yeah. And and just the ability to reach places that we never would have thought ex- existed. I mean, that that footage that you see, and I encourage everybody to check this out. It, it it's something you would never ever see in your entire life. Unless you had a drone. Mm. That's it, yeah. Was, and, and that person like burned their drone to the ground yeah, that's too. That's what I was going to ask. Right? Have you seen the burn marks afterwards? Yeah, it's it was incredible. done. So yeah, like- some magma, yeah. Yeah, to u- utilize that footage, he risked his drone to Worth get it. it, but it was wor- it was beautiful. Oh, yeah. The most beautiful footage you'll ever see of an active volcano. Um, so I'm just so excited to see the future. Now, um, for those that are interested in joining- you know, vets to drone and participating in this program, where can they find you out? And what are, what, what's a message that you have to the audience to inspire those that this might be the path for them? Absolutely. So um, easiest ways, vets to drones.org, go on our website, you can sign up there. Uh, we're on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, YouTube. The YouTube channel is growing and is incredible right now. Mm-hmm. Got to check out the, all the veterans in the forest uh, 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 field reports are on there on our YouTube channel. Okay. And you'll see Trevor Van Dyke out there with his wife, Micah, just uh, flying all those sites out there. Uh, I think all Idaho to California, to Pennsylvania, all across the states. Nice. Um, incredible videos he's putting out. And it really gives you like kind of that perspective of what kind of data collection missions are out there too. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, so definitely check that out. Um, yeah. So social media and our website's best way to get in touch. Um, my cell phone number is still on the website for now. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't give it out here. <laughs> I, I like it. Uh, you know, when veterans reach out, it's great. If they, they do, you give yeah. me a call, yeah. and it's really good to you know get that personal touch, which I'm, as many of them as possible. I do like to do that, but you know, we're up to nine hundred now. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's getting there. Yeah, it's yeah. gets so, a little busy. Mm-hmm. And and though and and words to inspire those to maybe consider that this is the field for them. So. 
if you're um you know we've had a variety of people in our program um some that are already professionally successful some mm-hmm. that are completely down and out um so it's it's for everybody right it's for any veteran that really is looking for something different but uh, if you are having struggling in the civilian world, you're not really finding like whatever feels right, fi- fulfilling your purpose. Or mm-hmm. if you're you have that itch to go on another adventure, that's really what we're looking for. It's mm-hmm. like if you want to get out there and do something interesting um, that feel fulfills that that urge to just get out. You oh, know, yeah. that's that's what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and people that want to take it seriously as well. You know, it's people that want to. Are, are open to diving into something that's completely new. Um, it's a long road ahead. Oh, yeah. Um, so people that are definitely interested in, in not just drone technology, but the surra- technology surrounding uh, drones and the data that's collected and what it can be used for. Uh, those are the kind of folks we're looking for. But it's, there's no limit to, like, your past experience is not necessarily completely relevant to what, what you can bring to the drone industry, but it's... it's um, People are looking for something new to move forward and grow into, really. Incredible. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your experiences and what you do nowadays. Fets to Drones sounds like an awesome program. And uh, I know we had a conversation before this and working together moving forward is going to be a lot of fun. So absolutely. thanks. Thanks again. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for having me on. I uh, appreciate it. And uh, it's a great opportunity. And, you know, Medivac podcast, we should talk about some of the, the medical delivery drones one day. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> how, how they're replacing rescue. No. no. <laughs> it's a new tool for your tool belt. Man. Yeah. It's yeah, another tool. Exactly. And, the, and that's, that's what I kind of learned from you, too, yeah. is like we should emphasize that fact is that it's a tool to be yeah. put in your arsenal. It's not there to replace you. Yeah. Oh, no, and, and that's what a lot of people have, uh, you know, think about all this technology coming out is that it's going to replace their jobs. We don't have a tendency to realize that there's going to be new jobs out there, mm-hmm. like dispatch drone, like watching this these screens. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's going to be other opportunities out there, and we're excited to pass some vets along your way if they reach out to us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look forward to meeting them and uh, training with them soon. Hopefully here in San Antonio as well. Yeah, Amazing. exactly. Right. Well, thanks very much for joining us today, Chris. It was, uh, it was a real pleasure talking to you. And for anyone out there, if you're interested, head on over to vets2drones.org. Give them a look, sign up if you're interested. It's a great opportunity. You can be, you can use this to be creative and and you know get into filming and videography. If you're a data nerd, you can get into that kind of stuff. That's Ample me. opportunities, yeah. <laughs> and and <laughs> and listen, like deforestation, yeah. right? Uh, Reforestation. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, yeah. planting trees. Really getting drones out yeah, there yeah. to cut down these plants. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, what I meant by that is, yeah, reforestation is if you have a knack for, you know, I mean, nature mm-hmm. itself, yeah. you have this tool to see more of the world. Yeah. You know, and for those who are injured, we talk about this all the time. This is an opportunity to spread your wings a little bit as mm-hmm. well. So I think. Uh, this world has a little bit for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And, you know, I know we're wrapping things up, but I want to uh, kind of harp on the the veterans for, veteran in the forest program again. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had incredible partners come forward with, from uh, these reforestation NGOs that work internationally, planting millions, tens one, of millions. One tree of trees, planted. One tree planted. Yes. Yeah. Huge NGO. Eighty million trees since 2015. It's just incredible. It's crazy. And we just have the privilege to count them using uh, drone technology, which saplings. Is amazing opportunity. Yeah, the saplings. <laughs> so the way the way we got into um, uh, when I was pitching to the idea to One Tree Planet's team, I told them like um, 
We want to provide peaceful deployments to mm. our veterans. Right? Uh, they want I to love internationally. that. We want to be able to send veterans out there with uh, similar to deploying back in the day, but we're going out there to do these these great missions, right? Yeah. Reforestation down in Costa Rica or Africa, Australia, mm. across Europe, and of course, across the entire United States. Um, you're able to go and see these national forests and get into locations that most people will never see in their lifetime. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's just a great opportunity. And I love doing it. When I went out to the field, I brought a couple of uh, uh, our members down to South Carolina. Mm-hmm. We camped out at this this cool, like, bed and breakfast, not an Airbnb, but a legit bed and breakfast in the, yeah. the countryside in South Carolina. I had a, a fire that just night. Just Auntie Anne cooking you breakfast in the exactly. morning. You know? It's incredible. Some buttermilk pancakes. A cigars around the fire <laughs> in the evening. And it's like, man, let's go for it. And we went and flew drones all day and then just uh, hung out. It's a good time. Amazing. Amazing. Well, uh, thanks again, man, for sharing your story. We really appreciate you coming on. Probably have you come on uh, again here in the future, and we'll talk about some medical technologies, deploying drones for that kind of uh, thing. I know oh, yeah. Christian's going to love that. Oh, yeah. It sounds interesting. But Thanks again, Chris. It's uh, It's been a real pleasure chatting with you today and learning about what you guys do. I appreciate you both. Yeah. If you are listening to the show and you're waiting for an opportunity, you found it. This is it. What are you waiting for? Adventure. Yeah, vets2drones.org, and then uh, share the podcast. Engage with this somehow. Let's get those rookie numbers up. All right. Thanks. We'll see see you next time.